Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So the debt limit, if it's not increased, the government cannot afford to pay its bills. That's the conversation. We're back to this. We're going to have ourselves a government shutdown if we don't increase the debt limit, don't uh, get more borrowing to spend more money. And of course, it's all the fault of the Republicans. So saith Chuck Schumer. But when you're the party in charge, Democrats are the party in charge. It's kind of hard to blame other people. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. What is it that we're looking at here? And is all of this about the $3.5 trillion spending package? That they have to borrow more money in order to engage this package of spending, this infrastructure, which actually isn't infrastructure. Let me bring in Joel Griffith right now, research fellow over at Heritage uh, Foundation, a law school graduate from the Chapman University Daily Fowler School of Law, also spent time uh, working uh, with a series of, of groups, including, uh, I believe it's Alec, is one of the many groups, and uh, his, he's the research fellow, as I said, for the Institute for Economic Freedom and Opportunity at the Heritage uh, Foundation, and as I did have it right, director of the Center for State Fiscal Reform at the American Legislative Exchange Council. Let's start here, sir. Let's start with the basics. What exactly is a debt limit? What is it at now? What are they trying to get it at? Well, according to, uh, and thank you for having me on, Tony, but according to our Constitution, it's Congress that has the power of the purse, meaning Congress decides how much money is spent, and it's Congress that determines whether the, uh, the, the government can actually borrow money. So we've got now $28.4 trillion in debt. We are right up against that debt limit right now. And for the government to borrow more, Congress, according to the Constitution, Congress has to authorize additional borrowing. And with an enormous new spending, actually multiple new spending proposals, including basically a Green New Deal proposed by Congress, well, if they want to spend that money, then they're going to have to actually borrow more because we're, we're basically uh, spending up to $2 for every dollar that we're bringing in tax revenue as of late. And that's really what we're down to right now. Will Congress lift the debt limit or will they even do worse? Maybe they'll even just completely suspend the debt limit and give themselves a blank check. Well, that's what's being debated right now in Congress. So let's say the debt limit isn't raised. Is it that the country runs out of money, or is it that cuts would have to take place so the spending can be moved to other areas? Yeah, well, if you look at the amount of money we're taking in in tax revenue, we have a gusher, a gusher of tax revenue. In fact, if you go back to uh, when the tax cuts went into effect um, at the, uh, with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act 2017, We've actually seen tax revenue increase by 20% since the tax cuts. We're awash in money on the federal level. In fact, revenue this year is going to be about 10% higher than it was prior to the COVID pandemic and all the shutdowns. So what we have in D.C. is a spending problem because the politicians, not just Democrats, Democrats and Republicans, continue to approve more and more spending programs that far exceed the the money is coming in. Think about this. 
the money that's going to be spent the next 12 months combined with what Democrats and uh, liberals in Congress want to spend over the next 12 months amounts to $9 trillion. That's more than $100,000, just over one year of federal spending for a family of four. And that's a lot of money. Uh, So we have a spending problem, not a revenue problem in Washington, D.C. Talking to Joel Griffith. Uh, He is research fellow for the Institute for Economic Freedom and Opportunity at the Heritage Foundation. So here it is. We get to this vote yesterday, and the Republicans in the Senate say, hey, thanks, but we are not interested in doing this. This cannot engage a level of cloture to start debate nor end uh, debate. Chuck Schumer changes his vote from a yes to a no, so he's allowed to bring it up uh, later. That's a procedural maneuver. Once that happens, they go through this and the Republicans say, no, we're not interested. And, of course, you get the jockeying back and and forth about who's responsible for a shutdown. We are on the clock. You have Thursday midnight when the government can no longer pay the bills and things will get shut down. What is the theory about what could happen between now and then regarding a debt limit? Uh, well, there's a theory that uh, uh, the liberals in Congress could go ahead and pass this uh, on their own. But what they want is they want conservative and they want Republican fingerprints on this as well. Um, well, if they want support from conservatives in Congress on this, uh, Congress needs to do a few things. And we at Heritage have been talking about the need not just to, to, uh, to enact mechanisms to control the growth rate of federal spending, Um, But we also, if they want to raise the debt limit, then we need to impose a revenue cap as well. Uh, Government's spending too much. So let's let's impose both a revenue cap and a spending cap. And the last thing that Congress should be doing is just lifting this and suspending it altogether. We should not be giving future Congresses a blank check. If the feds want to, to, to borrow more, then we need to go ahead and put in some common sense measures to at least try to get us back on the right fiscal track. Because if you don't like the slow economic growth that we're seeing now and the inflation, uh, well, borrowing more is just a recipe for a future disaster that will make today's problems seem just petty in comparison. Now let's put the emphasis on this $3.5 trillion. This was a so-called infrastructure package. We've been discussing it here now uh, for well over a month. This wasn't about infrastructure. They they named it human infrastructure, which is not infrastructure. This was about Green New Deal concepts. This was about child care and health care, which you can discuss, but they're not infrastructure. This is about curbing uh, cryptocurrency. Again, not, not infrastructure. Is this bill, this $3.5 trillion wish list as I see it, is that the impetus for raising the, the, the debt ceiling? Meaning if this wasn't a part of the conversation, would we be having a problem at all? Oh, we would still be having a problem at all because as bad as the spending bills are, the, the infrastructure package, which is a lie, it's not infrastructure, 95% non-infrastructure. But even if Congress, we're not passing and considering those pieces of legislation, we are still spending far more than we're taking in every year. And that's been a consequence of both political parties acting imprudently. But when you talk about these spending packages, that infrastructure, so-called infrastructure program, uh, really, I mean, it's even more than a wish list. It certainly is a wish list, but really, this is the dream of those on the radical left to fundamentally remodel our entire American economy. The leftists in Congress, and it's not an exaggeration to say leftists, 
Senator Sanders is an outright socialist and is one of the most powerful people in the U.S. Senate. They want a centrally planned, government-run enterprise that controls every aspect of our lives. And it's their dream that the elites, including themselves, the elites in D.C. and in government can determine how we spend, how we use all of our economic resources. And that package that is thousands of pages, that affects every area of our lives, the education of our children, our energy, our food. It gets the federal government hands in every corner of our lives. So we have the the issue of spending and the issue of running out of money, regardless of what happens with the three point five trillion. It's just the three point five trillion is a an absolutely uh, awful p- bit of legislation. But here's this this new wrinkle. This new wrinkle out there is the idea that it doesn't cost anything. Talking to Joel Griffith, research <laughs> fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Let me play you two things, Joel. Uh, The first was from Representative uh, Pramila Jayapal, as as I shared, saying that this $3.5 trillion plan costs nothing. As I said to the president, I heard him say, this is a $0 bill because it's all going to be paid for with taxes on the wealthiest corporations and the wealthiest individuals. Then you had a guest with Brian Stelter on CNN over the weekend go about the same type of language. Why is that $3.5 trillion figure misleading? Because it doesn't really represent anything. Um, It's this weird shorthand that's been used, but in fact, the bill itself will not cost $3.5 trillion in the sense that it will be entirely or at least partly paid for. So the actual cost in terms of deficits will be smaller than that, perhaps even zero, although I think that's unlikely. And it's not even... (laughs) So we have in these two cases, in these two places, people pushing this line that President Biden himself put up that this bill uh, will cost zero dollars, but it seems it only costs zero dollars if you're taxing people, which means it's going to cost something. Is there anybody buying this line that this 3.5 trillion will cost zero dollars? Wow, this is something straight out of George Orwell's uh, 1984. Uh, there's a very real cost. We know it's not, it's far more than three and a half trillion because of budget gimmicks, but there's a very real cost there. Congressional Budget Office, which is nonpartisan, rates all these. We know this is going to cost a lot of additional spending, but they're arguing that all. They're going to raise taxes on the wealthy, and so if you're not wealthy, you're not paying for it, and therefore it costs nothing. Well, two problems with that. Number one, uh, the taxes that have been proposed do not cover the total cost of this. Number two, just because a corporation is paying an additional tax, uh, well, that, that doesn't mean that we as just everyday Americans are impacted. Those, those tax hikes are passed along to us in terms of higher prices or lower raises. And in some instances, it actually means these companies cannot even function and the companies don't actually even get started. So when you're talking about raising taxes on businesses to a rate higher than communist China, yeah, there's going to be very real consequences uh, from that. So this is a very real cost. It's going to impact not just business owners and the wealthy. It's going to affect all Americans who are looking to work and earn a living for the family hold on a second joel hold on a second let me let me counter this let me counter this with the words of jen saki who says the idea that costs are going to get passed down by these employers and, and companies is just absurd um i want to ask you about what republicans are pointing to in the analysis from the joint committee on taxation they say according to if i've read the chart correctly more than 16% of taxpayers would see their taxes increase under the, the, the bill that's approved by the House Ways and Means Committee. Will the president sign that bill if, 
as, as it is, is coming out of that committee, or will he insist on the changes so that he will maintain his commitment that taxes won't go up on people making $400,000 a year? I have not looked at the uh, document or the report that you have put out. Obviously, the president, or that you have referenced, I should say, that the Republicans put out. Uh, obviously, the president's commitment remains not raising taxes for anyone uh, making less than $400,000 a year. There are some, and I'm not sure if this is the case in this report, who argue that in the past, companies have passed on these costs to consumers. I'm not sure if that's the argument being made in this report. We feel that that's unfair and absurd, and the American people would not stand for that. But I will take a closer look at this. It's absurd. Absurd to think that companies will raise their prices if their taxes are increased. What do you say to that? Uh, I don't know that she's ever run a, a business. You talk to any business owner out there, and businesses have to account for regulatory costs for, for wage jobs. Just look at what happened this past year um, with the government subsidizing people to not work. Well, businesses had to raise their prices to, their, their, in order to compensate and in order to to make amends for the fact they had to pay labor so much more. So when you go ahead and take more of a company's profits. Yes, they have to pass that law into consumers. But second of all, it makes investing less desirable because when the business decides whether or not to invest money in a new opportunity, they have to look at what is my after-tax return because they have to weigh that against the possibility of loss because there's never a 100 percent slam dunk business venture. You have to look at the probability of loss and the probability of success. And when you lower that after-tax um, 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 potential profit, well, that actually means that a lot of projects are no, no longer make economic sense to invest in. That's why if you look at the states, if you look at the high-tax states versus the low-tax states, you see those low-tax states, by and large, excelling in terms of business development and jobs compared to those other states. So when you want to head and jack up tax rates on businesses to something higher than a communist country, that is going to be a real negative impact, not just for the wealthy, but for regular middle-class American families. Joel Griffith, research fellow for the Institute for Economic Freedom and Opportunity at the Heritage Foundation. I appreciate you taking the time. You can follow him, Joel Griffith. On Twitter, you can check him out there. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. We've got more coming up. I'm Tony Katz.